the Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC Vegas 28 Breakdown, Picks, Plays, and with one arm or not, whatever comes our way, let's go to work. Up, you savages. This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I'm your host, Dan Tom. Analysts is where you can find over at MMAJunkie.com, but on this here program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down high-level MMA. That's what we're going to do here today, tonight, whenever you're listening to this. Hopefully, it's before the fight. Recording this Thursday night as opposed to my normal Friday. Probably would have been recording it earlier, if not for yesterday's events. Um, so... I'm going to try to get through this as fast as I can with just a couple, uh, with just an update and stuff off the top, I guess. So I'll just quickly remind you to check the show notes uh, for when the breakdown starts from top to bottom. Also, shouts to Zane Simon and uh, Steffi Hayes, great producer, OG talent there, bloody elbow, uh, for having me on the Viva section um, to. Uh, to uh, not replace, uh, uh, but uh, there's the sub in for uh, my man Connor Rebush, who smart man taking a vacation on a light week like this. Um, I kind of am. Like I said, it's weird, right? Because I took I took one of these weeks off so I could work ahead for the Amazon Lima card and of course the uh, U two sixty three. You know the three he- headliners, so to speak, on that. Plus my usual, and I'm going to try to get you guys that breakdown by like Tuesday before I leave for Hawaii next week, which was part and parcel of the reason of why I needed to take some uh, some time off. So that's why you're not going to see an in-depth breakdown for Rosenstrach Sakai, I know, but I'll quickly go through it here for you. And uh, I did more of an in-depth breakdown as the show's format co-host can afford on the Viva section, so I just wanted to shout that out. But um, as you can hear, Brownie... You need to stop. Uh, the dog is in the background, or as you follow me on social media, maybe heard it uh, briefly on the note on the intro of the top. A little bit of a modest mouse float on because that is about all I can do with everything going on. Uh, and I hate to say that constantly and sound like a complainer, but those of you who've been listening to the podcast know it's like back in 2017. Like anytime there's an off week in the UFC or I take an off week, shit happens. And, uh, Nonetheless, that is the case here, um, and uh, yeah, just <sighs> so I got a yeah, I'm like one armed right now, pretty much. Uh, doesn't look like it's going the way of infection, which is good. So um, you know, I should be fine. There's all the fingers work, but uh, I got I broke up a dog fight and suffered a pretty bad puncture wound on my right arm there, and uh, it literally went spraying Kill Bill style, and. Um, it was crazy. I, you know, to make anybody woozy or anything, but like, I didn't even notice it at first. I thought I, I just, I usually have much better dog breaking up technique, but the fight's been stepping up lately, which is we- weird. I can still count them on one hand, but I think we're at five now within eighteen or twenty months. Twenty months, and um, it's been stepping up lately because Brownie here, who's whimpering. 
hasn't had her weekly exercise that she normally gets because, like I said, I got scammed by the trainer, which I found out when I went to go board Ben and book their boardings, uh, which was the whole point of it, and then so Brownie could get training. Because, uh, as anybody knows, you know, everything's been hard on the pandemic. I can't imagine how you people with children have been. My hat's off to you. Um, if you're doing you know, self-schooling and stuff like that uh, for that period. But uh, yeah, anybody with kids, animals, whatever, pandemic obviously made it challenging. Plus, as well as my situation, which for those of you who don't know, I also uh, help take care of um, my mother. And she comes in a pair with my stepfather who, you know, has a laundry list of his own problems. Uh, Fifth Special Forces, Vietnam vet. So he's got a lot of uh, medical issues as well. And uh, my mom had multiple brain aneurysm surgery last year and um, stroked out. I had to like re-facilitate all her senses back during the pandemic. And she's good motor skill-wise and stuff. Like She can even drive a car. Everything came back. Um, but everything's been so chaotic. And I, mean, I don't want to sound like negative guy stuff because it's like, believe me, I tried everything. It's like... This is, I don't want to do the self-fulfilling prophecies thing, so it's like, anyways, but like, um, yeah, I, I just, I feel like Al Swearingen from Deadwood, you know, between the constant health problems <laughs> to uh, my dogs being like his henchmen, right, always getting into shit, and I'm having to clean it up, at the, getting bloody in the process, and then my mother is like the, the and it sounds really dark, but sometimes you just have to make dark humor to get by, um, and I, obviously... You know, I obviously love my mother, but she, she uh, speech-wise, can be reminds me a lot of the character, the maid, the older maid. You know, so this place is essentially like Al Swearingen's whorehouse without the whores, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> and um, you know, um, and so like, uh, so yeah, I often feel that way. That thankfully though, she was here, especially if I did pass out, because. Um, I break up the fight, and again, I usually have better technique, but they've been getting in more fights lately, and another one happened actually just like just a couple weeks ago, or a week and a half ago or so, and um, Ben got the worst of it, and so I've been, and I'm very protective of, I'm going to get a tattoo of Benjamin, my, my original Pitbull boy, um, and the girl, younger girl's been antagonizing him, Brownie, and... Um, and I'll get to the fights, folks. It's time-stamped again, if you want to skip ahead. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, um, so I've been extra protective. So instead of the usual technique where I kind of get collar behind the neck, hips behind, pull, uh, kick off the other kind of a deal, um, I was a little more protective of him because last time I did that, she got the better of him and, like, hung on to his lips and tore a bit. So I, I, it's like instinctually I didn't want that to happen. So it's like I put my arm in between them, like to cover his face to protect him, and then he didn't know I was there, so he just ended up biting back to her, but ended up getting me, I think, is what happened. And she, um, all, uh, all my leg damage you saw in the picture, I think, was from her claws slicing me up pretty good there. Um, and I knew I got hit or whatever, I was, thought I was fine. And my mom, she kind of, you know, I'm like, oh, you kind of, she kind of overreacts to everything, so I'm like, okay. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> Not like overreacts, but like, um, you know, like, uh, I guess overreacts. Like, you know, not loud, but like, you know, it, emotionally it tolls, takes a toll on her. 
So I was like, she's like pointing blood, blood. I'm like, I'm fine, I'm fine. And I look down, I just see pouring and spurting like a wide stream. Not even like a small faucet, like a wide stream. I was like, holy fuck. And I had enough wherewithal and sense to keep my arm elevated. Got some paper towels, a wad of them. Put pressure on the wound and was keeping pressure on it. And uh, the dog stopped immediately, of course. They were like freaked out. And uh, there's blood all over the kitchen floor. <laughs> and um, I thought I was fine. And I start feeling lightheaded. And I'm like, I couldn't have lost. I lost a lot of blood, but like, I can't be getting. I couldn't have lost that much and be feeling lightheaded that fast. Uh, of course, it was shock. I didn't realize it. And not to make light of Shane Burgos, but I felt and looked a lot like Shane Burgos versus Barbosa because I started making my way from the sink and I'm kind of woozy and I'm like, let me just go sit down by the couch. I start making my way there and I just start stumbling. I couldn't, it's like I was going downhill and I couldn't keep my feet under, under, under you when you're going too fast downhill. Like I was doing that all of a sudden on a flat surface and then I ended up like crashing down on the tile floor in front of my fireplace with my arm up, you know, almost as if like, you know, you're trying to keep you know, a hold of the football despite the tackle. And I'm, I have enough wherewithal to keep my arm up the whole time. So I'm, I'm, I'm doing what you know all us, you know, cage side doctors over here, right, are just presuming. Um, Shane is doing, and he's just trying to fight the effects of biological nature. And I was able to maintain consciousness, although that whole sequence felt very drunk. Um, and I was able to keep my arm up and keep pressure on it uh, until. Uh, my stepdad, who's an ex-paramedic, and his nephew is an active head paramedic out here for in Las Vegas. Um, and um, by that time, it was about 20 minutes, supposed to be 25 minutes elevated above heart level uh, it, to stop the bleeding. Uh, and uh, and the bleeding stopped, and which was good because my mom was there, A, and then I didn't pass out, B, because if I passed out and no one was there, then that would have been very problematic. I would have probably kept bleeding there wouldn't have been a podcast today although those of you know me better than even me and i appreciate you guys y'all are probably right um i probably shouldn't even have to be or shouldn't even be doing this podcast and i know you guys are probably going to scold me for it and i appreciate and love y'all for it those of you who even tried to book me for podcasts and i feel bad and have a hard time saying no but y'all have just been super understanding and reminding me there's good humans in the space so shouts to the Brass Chucks, Blaine Henrys, etc. And you know, everybody else out there wishing me well, of course. Um, also giving your advice. Uh, appreciative. It helps humanize things. Helps gain a get ready to take a shot Sam Yang sample size. <laughs> so, Sam Yang replied to the video section saying take a shot every time Dan Tom says sample size. And I'm like, oh, fuck. A, he's totally right, and I got no defense to that. But B, uh, not that this isn't my defense, but I guess an, a warning, um, crutch words like sample size I definitely crutched and lean into as if it were a crutch hence the saying uh, a lot harder considering I did a top to bottom podcast on an hour notice an hour's prep as I didn't watch any fights which I did admit off the top of the show in my defense and as you know Dan Tom can still bring it and pull details off of his brisane but uh, yeah there's going to be definitely a lot of sample size words used probably ahead of this show and on that vivis section um, but, uh, what was I talking, what, what was I talking, I was, uh, I'm going to wrap up this dog talk, so, uh, dog talk stuff here in a sec here, folks, so bear with me, but yeah, um, was able to keep, uh, 
keep the blood on that. Got some sturdy strips. Everything looks like it's healing in the right way. Um, I just, you know, it just sucks. I'm a dog lover. Um, it's not about team human or team animal. I just, I love, I love dogs, and I imagine because a lot of dog people, you value, you both value loyalty, un unconditional love and loyalty. Um, probably because there wasn't a lot in your life. As much as we make fun of dog or cat people, but there is, there is a quiet but important correlation there. I believe. I'm not saying you have to have a dog to have empathy, etc. Et I'm just saying as far as that connection goes. Yeah, you can call me guilty. You can call me weak. Um, you know, I'm into establishing dominance and you know punishing a dog and etc. But I, I let's just say I, I try to go by the book. A lot of YouTube videos to reinforce what I was doing right and correct what I was doing wrong. Um, but uh, yeah, I gotta find a solution here fast and shore up the things that I could be doing better, but also while still keeping realistically the options open and perhaps finding Brownie, the younger one. Maybe she needs a single home, not with another dog, I don't know. I gotta figure it out. Like I said, I was getting uh, the training in professional, but um, was getting ripped off there. Had to scramble to find them a, a new place, which again, I, I won't be able to, uh, they won't be able to see until the day I drop them off, or the day I fly out, so that's kind of nerve-wracking. And um, and yeah, so I have been, you know, I haven't been that irresponsible. Um, but yeah, um, it's just been a lot. So uh, I think I already went into the the situation that I'm sorry. This is like my third or fourth time having to record. So it's like, um, did I say that? Did I say the elsewhere engine thing? Did I explain the situation with my mom and what I'm dealing with and amongst the dog issues, amongst the man, amongst the, all the stuff? Yeah, we all deal with. Yeah, um, it, it, it's been a lot, so uh, so yeah, apologies for this little vent sesh to catch you guys up, but I am okay for anybody that saw the, the, the scary post, and uh, the dogs are okay, just, just gotta figure out what to do, um, and try to get to this trip, like I said uh, on previous recording, and I've said this before, like, I have reoccurring nightmares of planes being late, going to or from Hawaii. And all hell is breaking loose. I'm trying to pack and everything's just getting in the way. And I think that's just because I work in a very high stress job and I, outside of the high, not really high stress job, I have an amazing job. I, um, between the taking care of people and all these other things I deal with, I have to manage a lot of stress and more than the average Joe, but my hardwiring is not probably meant to ha handle the normal average Joe amount of stress so that's problematic wiring there and um, I just uh, I think that you know then you add in a deadline job I should say that's where the job comes in and I think that's where the being late for a plane because you're always under deadline and USC's every week and it never stops right that could take a toll on your psyche your subconscious and uh, so I have these dreams so it's just like and we all stress out naturally, right? Because we're trying to prep before a trip. That's natural, especially today's age with all the extra protocols. And then all this stuff factored in, you know, it's crazy. I was like, I just put on a t-shirt. I was about to, on my way out to run some errands. And I wore a shirt that was light of color, which is not too much like me. Johnny Cash, like Dan Tom over here, always wearing black. And 
my first thought is I'm going to spill some shit on this. And I'm like, Dan, don't think negative. Besides, you just had your coffee. You just had your smoothie for the day. That's usually the culprits. Um, what could possibly stay in this shirt? Five seconds later, smash cuts. Blood. <laughs> so um, that's, you know, like... Uh, it's okay, Brownie. It's fine. Um, Brownie, relax. Sorry, folks. Hey, Brownie, stop. So, uh, as I get sidetracked from... Uh, but yeah, so... It, it, God damn it. I don't want to stop this because it's going to make an edit and then I'm going to lose track, which is why I have to re-record like the third time. Um, yeah. Who, who gives a fuck, man? Uh, I think you covered everything. Anyways, I have one note here. It says Tybora Beer Run for the breakdown, uh, which says a lot. So we'll see. Uh, it tells you what you're in for. Actually, I came back from the grocery store because, again, I was on my way out to run er some errands, and I, I have to do certain errands, certain things um, I have to do on my own. Oh, what I was going to say, too, and I was holding the blood. And I'm getting my, you know, we're trying to stop the bleeding on the puncture wound. I'm trying not to focus it on at that point, right? Because it's just, you know, my body's coming down from, from, from shock. And, uh... You know, my stepdad's there, he's got the arm, and my mom's down working on my knee as I'm laying down. And I go, this is also why I made that Deadwood comparison, so people don't think I'm cruel here, so I do have to follow that up. But she goes, um, I go, as I'm looking down there, well, she goes, and with the stroke, again, her motor skills are fine, but, like, she will mix basic things, and she has all her memories, but she will mix basic things up, like she he like she'll say good boy to the girl good girl to the boy and i know what she means uh although it it is still oh good to correct her um according to the speech therapists and stuff um or she'll say yes for or no like she'll mix up really just basic stuff so once you get a hang of her you kind of understand what she means um but it's hard though and with and props to her she held it together enough to call my stepdad thankfully but you know, I'm asking her how my leg's looking, and it's the lesser of the two, so I'm not expecting anything, but she goes, it's it's real bad. And I'm like, what? She goes, it's it's real bad. And part of me is like, I, go, I think she's trying to tell me it's going to be okay, but... And I'm like, Mom, <laughs> are, are you sure that it's not going to be okay, or it's going to be real bad? No, no, it's going to be it's, it's gonna be real bad. And I think what she meant was, no, no, it's going to be okay. And I'm like, Mom... Because all I've been watching is like zombie movies and war movies. So the bite and me laying down bleeding out on the floor just seemed really appropriate. I'm like, fuck. You know, speaking of, you know, fantasies from movies to your dreams becoming reality, right? Like everything is just fucking coming out of the pages for me. And I'm like, mom, in war movies when people are shot, they still tell them they're going to be okay. You're telling me it's really bad. <laughs> I can't see my leg, please. And it was some gnarly cuts on my knees, to her credit. But, uh, yeah, it's... So that's what I mean, folks, you know? I mean, while Jack's, like... You know, he's a combat... He's, he's combat medic from back from Vietnam and stuff. And uh, he's older now. He's got, like, pulmonary embolisms that he's, we're monitoring. He's got all these health problems, so he's all shaking. He's fucking making the wounds worse. I'm like, stop, I'll do it. So, I mean, it's... It's uh, I love them and I'm grateful, especially on days like yesterday, to have them here. But 
everything that's one step will get turned into three. And on days like yesterday or now, that what I'm dealing with now is very frustrating. So I'm going to try and get through this, folks. 20 minutes. We're going to start the breakdown for UFC Vegas 28. UFC Rosenstrach versus Sakai. Um, we're going to go top to bottom as usual. I'm going to try to make this uh, real fast here. Um, try to hit all the notes. Like I said, I just came back from Whole Foods because I was, I, was, I was running the errands. And uh, I saw Marcin Tabura. And um, so one of my only breakdown notes is Marcin Tabura beer run. Because uh, I will... I, I will there's a little tease here. I'm gonna, I may or may not divulge, allegedly, some of the contents I spotted in his cart. All right, Tibur, Tibur. All right. Um, first up, uh, Jarzin, uh, Jarzinho Rosenstrach, minus 120. Augusto Sakai, plus 100. Um, <coughs> trying not to cough in a mic there. Apologize. Um, but, yeah, uh, I ended up going with uh, Rosenstrach. Uh, it's not a confident pick. I hate the pick. Uh, I'm worried that I think majority of staff members at Junkie pick Rosenstrach, which means Sakai, it's heavyweight. You know, No one should be surprised if Sakai, this is the smaller cage, which suits him. He's not technical, but he's much more active in general, especially in the clinch. So whether or not he gets takedowns, um, if he makes this ugly in the clinch, uh, he could win that kind of a fight. Um, he has the gas tank to make it ugly for that kind of a fight, and Rosenstruck has the gas tank sensibilities and durabilities to sit there and take that kind of a fight. So, um, uh, you know, uh, I don't blame anybody if they were, you know, looking at fatties, but uh, I was talking to the person who originated that line, fatties, at Brass Chuck there, and uh, it's pretty chalky, so uh, the bookmakers already pretty much saw where it was coming, so you got to pay for that if you want that angle. Otherwise, I'm not too confident on an angle for this fight. I'm going to take Rosenstruck um, reluctantly by a late stoppage um, or a decision after scaring maybe Sakai away enough uh, with some of his shots. Jarzinho Rosenstruck, whether he lands or doesn't land, does tend to have that effect or can have that effect as shown to, so we'll see. Uh, again, not a guy you want to count on. Um, he's going to sit there and just throw that left hook, but uh, kind of like Zane brought up, obviously Sakai and Gane are, are, are obviously different on paper and uh, visually, but stylistically too, um, Gane is a lot more savvy, more athleticism, more tools, more uh, more fluidity through the phases, and even he had to really fight disciplined and really turn that up, whereas Sakai has never shown that, not very defensively reliable. Um, so I suspect ultimately, even though volume is his friend, that volume may walk him into the wood chipper here. So I'm going to go Rosenstruck, not confident. God bless you if you're playing it. Um, by the way, spoiler alert, since there wasn't a, a there wasn't any hard research done, um, no plays, which is probably how it should be, right? I, I know that might be disappointing for some of you guys to hear. We'll see. Maybe some lines may change my mind. You'll get the live genuine reactions, some up-to-date. I know we had a... A matchup changer too since I recorded the Vivi, but um, so th there are things to look forward to. Tybora beer run, which we'll get to here in a second, but warning, not the most plays. Uh, Marcin Tibura, Tibura, minus 175. Walt Flanagan, Walt Harris, uh, Dan, what is Kevin Smith references here? Plus 155. I went with Walt Harris again, probably to be disappointed, probably for my bias with Southpaws and my overly sympathetic hat. Uh, you know, 
for for uh, any brothers or sisters going through situations uh, like that. Jeez, cannot imagine. So, uh, you know, who wouldn't want Walt Harris to get a win here? However, um, Tybura favored for a reason. Small cage suits his style, uh, sensibilities, especially this type of matchup. So, again, if he makes it ugly, no one should be surprised. I don't know why I'm picking another athletic opportunistic striker, like I said on the Vivi. This is not my MO, for those of you that know good old Dan Tom. But I am going to take Walt. Um, again, a lot of bias for Extreme Couture, too, as well. He's working with my man Eric Nixick. But to Walt's credit, he didn't just briefly cross-train. He looked like he really committed himself to this camp, stayed with Francis Ngannou, got the guys like Latifi, Dolidze has got all these looks in, uh, some other wrestlers as well they brought in. Uh, really worked on his wrestling and conditioning. Sharpening up his striking too as well, you know, um, which uh, I agree, but shout out to the TSN MMA show. I listened to some interviews there this week. Um, but uh, like Zane was saying, he's he can kind of present his hips or, you know, um, get off balance. And I think working with Eric Nixick is going to help that on the pads, the pacing, and the conditioning. Uh, Eric, like with Ningano, will put him toward the right wrestlers as well as working with Ningano. I think even like was sharing wrestling shoes and shit. Um, or, you know, he was really just kind of... Ningano really was just helping him out in a lot of ways, which is always cool to hear. Um, and uh, so you, you want to see those things. And again, my bias t- to Eric or Extreme Couture aside... Um, we've seen those improvements with the aforementioned Nganu, Ige, and his pacing. Um, Tavares never had pacing issues, was already experienced, and already an underrated defensive wrestling, but took it to even another level, as we saw in his last fight. Um, you know, Whatever they're doing there, they know what they're doing kind of a deal and have been proving it through many different... Uh, I don't want to say sample sizes. Take a shot, Sam Yang. Through many different situations. <laughs> and... Uh, and yeah, so uh, so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a flyer on that. But if he doesn't get it done early, you can count that uh, it's gonna look bad. You know, um, Walt, Walt can tend to uh, you know implode a bit. Um, we've seen before. Uh, and I guess last note is he is working with the last Southpaw who beat him, the only Southpaw who he faced and he lost to, which was Tim Johnson. Granted, it was a rugged fight. Uh, that is Marcin Tibura. Of course, Tim Johnson, kind of a regular at Extreme Couture, another heavyweight body, another wrestler, etc. Um, the thing to look out for, though, all bias and picks aside, real talk analysis, is I'm going to be curious to see what Walt does in the clinch uh, because striking in or out of the clinch has been where Tibura has been traditionally hurt and or stopped, win or lose. Um, when you look at his fights uh, and where the positioning of the cage happened, so that's going to be really curious. Because when Walt gets in there, it's like gonna be like, uh, who's that tall guy? Spitz, Daniel Spitz. You know, it's like, does he stay disciplined or does he kind of fall into the clinch and you know risk getting wrestled at that point? Um, so that's gonna be something to watch for. Um, but I got Walt here, even though you can get some nice dog money on him. It's heavyweight MMA, folks. I'm not. I would not be confident either way. But uh, what's in the box? What's in the cart? I did see Marcin Tabura. Um, by the way, no mask. None of his team wearing masks, which is fine. I know we're Dan. We're we're moving back to normal. Do you want to stop that? No, relax, folks. Don't come at me with your torches. I'm not trying to stir up the masses about that shit. Um, uh, you know. Uh, but like for example, like, you know, I'm 
I, I, I didn't wear it at a couple of places. It felt weird. And then reminded myself that, like, okay, there's still a chance, even though you're vaccinated, you can get something. And I don't want anything to ruin this trip. So uh, my, my ass be mask, mask it up when I go into these these uh, these crowded places still. I don't care if people make fun of me. Uh, <laughs> but um, so uh, hopefully I don't know what the vaccination situation in Poland is or Marcin's situation. But considering that uh, he just doesn't, doesn't just travel, but, you know, you know, with these fighters and these fights getting pulled, um, I mean, I, I get it. Whole Foods is the one place these fighters are allowed to go. I don't know how strict their protocols are, if that's still true or not. But um, so maybe that's like the only freedom he gets. Uh, but uh, yeah, him and his team just cruising, no mask in sight, and uh, loading up on the, the beers, the Budavas. Uh, I was going to say American beers, but uh, judging, I saw some fat Modelo bottles. So, you know, he's being a company man there. And I would say saying North American with Budweiser, but I, I think I'm, I, amongst many, make the mistake, the ignorant mistake of, uh, like you know, it's Bud Light, Budweiser, America, but it's a Czech beer, Budva, Budva. It's a Czech actually in origin, right? So hops and such, but um, yeah, some good old, uh, some good old Budva, and uh, you know, again, it could have been for the cornermen, but. Um, and Marcin looked particularly happy to be handling the beer. So, we'll see. He's heavyweight, man. I'm like, what is it? The day before? What is this guy grocery shopping the day before weigh-in? I'm like, oh, fucking heavyweight. That's why. It's fucking... Everyone else is just fucking dying, suffering. Already fucking in, in their little miniature saunas in their hotel room. Fucking heavyweight MMA folks. Another reason why it's so lovely. And don't be so mad when me or, you know, especially guys like the fight site take shots at them. Like... These guys get to go to fucking grocery stores the day before weigh-ins, folks, okay? So let's, let's relax. Um, I'm sure the beers are for after the match, and who knows if they aren't. He, again, he's heavyweight. He can get away with that shit, I, I suppose, depending on his philosophy on the drinking and performing. So I got Harris. Um, it's like, yeah, buy more beer, Tabora. Who are you and why are you talking to me? I, I'm just, just, just saying. I like Google Translate how to say it in Polish and just whisper it through the mask as I walk by. He looks around like, did they hear that? Uh, sorry, anyways. Um, all right, we got Miguel Baez on minus 120. Santiago Ponzadibio. Uh, little, sorry. I always feel like Danny Trejo introducing Selma Hayek when I say that name. Pandemonio. Bow your head. You slight dog, bow your head. Sorry. I know Dan, Dan, Dan Tom doing a Death from Dust Till Dawn reference. That never happens. I ended up submitting my staff picks from Miguel Baez. I don't feel comfortable about it. I feel extra left com uh, less comfortable that I said he had a good left hook, which maybe he does. I don't know. I still haven't went back to watch it. But um, I did listen to uh, a bit of heavy hand. Shout out to Connor there and Phil. I guess Connor didn't fully take off this week. I see, even when we take off, folks, cut us break, you know. Uh, even us weird analyst type, even when we take off, we don't really take off. It never stops. Like the warden to, to Andy <laughs> Shawshank. Oh, my God. Shawshank reference here, too, Dan. Um, but, uh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so uh, they were saying on the Heavy Hands podcast that Miguel Bays is just really right-hand happy. He's got, like, the orthodox version of the double attack. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that, too. Yep, yep, okay. 
Uh, so maybe I'm completely off, but uh, the left hook was one of the things I was attaching my pick to just because of that beautiful breakdown done by the fight site. I don't know if it was Julian Leung or um, um, a man uh, at Phenolic Sky who does a lot of their video content there. Either way, subscribe to their channel and their stuff. Um, it was just pointing out how Ponzinibbio can behoove those left hooks um, when he retreats, you know, too linear, doesn't do the thing that, you know, Michael Chandler didn't do and used to do when he was working with Gil Martinez for his boxing, which is like rolling under your crosses, much less stepping out of that angle, which it encourages a bit, or the slight angle. Um, instead, you kind of just fade back and you get hit with a left hook. Um, we'll see. It's been six months. It seems like it's been sooner. So technically, he's riding that line of when you generally don't like to see a fighter come back from a stoppage loss. So we'll see. I mean, yeah, you don't want to take too much time off because he's already been, you know, hindered. Um, we'll see how he comes into this. Uh, Baeza, interesting, you know. I'm curious to see if he builds more on his grappling and wrestling. That being said, I don't know if this is the opponent to do it on because even if he does get takedowns, Ponzinibbio, um, a black belt in his own right as well, uh, has a good get-up urgency against the cage. He's kind of always had that uh, smaller cage, so imagine he should still have that here. Um, but if Baez is able to do enough and alleviate some pressure, um, maybe that get, keeps him from getting corralled and buzzer beat beaten down like uh, Ponzinibbio eventually did to Magni. So uh, we'll see there. Um, I expect both guys to be aware, uh, active leg kickers, and I come from camps that really spam a calf kick. So we could see some kamikaze action of both guys just hacking away each other there, overly confident. Um, but I'm going to go Baeza, uh, which feels wrong. I hope I'm wrong here. Ponzinibbio's with the... I don't know what the value is because you can't trust him, but I, I just, I'm hoping Ponzinibbio wins. I'm picking Baeza, though. Next fight, uh, Roman Delize, minus 145. Money looks like it came in, and rightfully so, on Loriano Staropoli. Of course, I'm biased and will be picking Delize as I have so far in his UFC career. But... Um, well, it's weird. No, money I shouldn't. I think the line tightened a little bit, but it's been boomeranging because Staropoli originally opened as the favorite, which I don't blame. It's just one of those things where I think, you know, the welterweight's coming up from, or middleweight coming welterweight coming up to middleweight, whereas a middleweight cutting down from like heavyweight, they're going with the bigger guy. But Staropoli's pretty big and he's pretty thick and filled out, so I don't know how much of a size difference. I think it'll be more of like a Trevin Giles who beat the Lidze. Last time, more of a cop than a Mike Russo or, you know, hey, Chris, I can't even use Chris Dacus, man. Yeah, I like Chris Dacus's attitude, and, uh, you know, he's been, he's been, you know, uh, tightening up. So, uh, but you know what I mean? You know, one of those physiques. I don't think, you know, Staropoli's going to roll in here with that. He does come from Charles Oliveira's camp, been training there more often, uh, as opposed to uh, Argent. Uh, Argentina, I believe, where he's from. Apologies if I'm wrong on that. Um, but, uh, Roman Delete's Georgian fighter, just really reckless, though. If he didn't have Eric Nixon in his corner, I would fade him every time. I don't blame people for playing against him here, especially now that you're getting a plus money on Staropoli. That already justifies your pick and play. You don't have to argue with me. That's for sure. Uh, but uh, I do believe that uh, the small cage will favor and force more of the kind of exchanges that Delete will favor. Uh, it'll be harder for Staropoli to stay on his bike and outpoint him, which he could easily do, by the way, if Delize just keeps throwing in single strikes. Um, you know, I'm getting overly fancy. Uh, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll see. You know, this is uh, some guys you really can't change, so I, you know, 
Eric or not, I wouldn't. Uh, knowing the coach or not, I mean, um, I still wouldn't condemn a condemn a cor- corner for a guy like the Leeds. That being said, I do hope that corner um, can continue to influence the Leeds because those are definitely his best moments when he does listen to his corner. He's got the talent there. It's just he's a freaking wild man, uh, not one to really trust with your money, uh, especially as a favorite. Uh, but I will be picking him here. Um, genuinely think he'll get the exchanges he needs and wants. And uh, I'll be curious to see what we see of Staropoli, but a real dangerous fight to play either side. Though, again, don't blame anybody taking the shot on Staropoli. Uh, Dusko Todorovic, minus 130. Gregory Rodriguez, plus 110. Uh, speaking of glass cannons, uh, you know, did I talk about glass? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Speaking of glass cannons, Gregory Rodriguez could be one. We'll see. Dusko Todorovic does do a lot of the striking ins out of the breaks, like I cited earlier. I think that'll serve him well here. But if he gets clobbered against, I want to say he's a much bigger guy. It's hard. Dusko Todorovic looks like he's small, and he's not huge for the division or big by any means. But, you know, perhaps he's not small. Brownie, relax. Perhaps he's not small. So uh, we'll see. Either way, I don't think he wants to get pushed up against the cage against Rodriguez. Who got his black belt under Jacare Souza's teacher? Um, we'll see. So I'm going to pick uh, Todorovic, who uh, has been successful in that cage, uh, whereas Gregory Rodriguez is not. Um, we'll see. Uh, hard, real hard to be com- super confident. Um, Tom Breeze, minus 240. Antonio Arroyo, plus 200. Will Breeze return to his Kurgan-like form? Will he have the darkness around his eyes? Or uh, will he, um, you know... Will he, uh, you know, kind of uh, implode, uh, crumble, so to speak? It, crumble sounds much more crueler than implode. Try to use implode, you know. And but it is true. We've seen these things happen. You know, you, you, we, we broke down a bit of Walt Harris's history on the Vivi, who I love obviously, and I'm another fan of this southpaw here, Tom Breeze. Um, big fan of Tom, but uh, you know, again, you can't deny what you've seen. You've seen him kind of break down in there. And although I'm calling it for what it is, again, another reason why, um, and I've even defended fighters like Rose, right? Uh, you, you know, if you, you go and check the tapes here. Um, when it comes to mental fortitudes, mental health, in battle, pre-battle, or post-battle, you know, because one, it's like you're going to call, you know, someone fighting in a cage here who's clearly done it before. It's, this is just a hard thing to do. And, I, and I've been on a history rabbit holes. I really try to educate myself more, and really on a World War II one, um, which was cool, which was you know cool. I'm watching a lot from Japanese perspective, and there's a lot of real whole psychological perspectives from all perspectives of that Pacific theater. Uh, but overall, in World War II, something things that get overlooked because it's glamour. You, know, you get World War One, the bloodiest war, and the Vietnam, all the controversy and the guerrilla tactics. And World War II, kind of like as the 50s, is often painted in this golden era, very... And there's a lot of things to be proud of. I'm not shitting on it. But we don't realize is it was just not, if not more, you know, bloodier than a lot of wars as well, with body parts and strung things like that. Only certain things shown through the newly acquired media then. But also, I think it was upwards of, like... And this might be just for the American side. Uh, 600,000, not casualties, because... It, they didn't necessarily they didn't die, but like as far as like soldiers taking out of service for psychological reasons, um, and again, what was it, forty one through forty five, four years, just the American side, six hundred thousand collectively with our forces, folks, um, and 
because again, when dog fights happen, a reference to the earlier episode, you know, like sometimes like my mom or a girlfriend, they'll freeze and they can't react. And I remember I was proud for these the times that it did happen because uh, when things happen, just like my friends would get in fights or things would happen in the street back in the day, I'd be probably like, oh, I will get in there and react. Whether <laughs> I get smashed in the face or smash someone else in the face, is that's, that's, that's a whole other story and conversation. Uh, but I'm proud that I, I step up. I step the fuck up. However, there is that gear, but even if you do have that gear, that doesn't mean you don't have the, I'm going to go into shock anytime I see blood. I know Joey Diaz, as, you know, and this is apparently not uncommon amongst men. Um, you know, Joey Diaz, uh, Rogan, uh, Rogan's friend, comedian, he like passed out watch, watching BJ Penn and uh, Joe Stevenson, UFC 80, Rapid Fire. Just from TV. That, that was in the UK. He was here, and I don't even think Joey can travel. Um, but uh, blood can really trip you out. And like with mine, I thought, you know, with what I do and my experience with martial arts and um, ex, ex, not exposure to violence like on a level of a paramedic. It's okay, Brownie. Ouch. Oh, fucking hard. Uh, but uh, exposure to just cuts and blood and, you know, with what I cover um, in person or not. Um, you just think it wouldn't be anything, you know, Jim seeing, you know, things just broken, snapped, elbows dislocated, like, you just get up close and personal. I, I, th- I thought I was desensitized to anything, and I felt so weak and vulnerable, man. I'm not proud of it, but, like, yeah, my body was just overtaking. I could barely stand, right? Um, so the psyche is a really powerful thing on so many levels, folks. And back to that 600,000... Uh, air quotes casualty mark because uh, for lack of a better word uh, for a psychological casualty um, you know it shows how common these things are so if 600,000 for the armed forces of those four years and there's only a handful of fighters and of course they all deal with it by the way folks don't be mistaken they all deal with fears and anxieties but only a handful of fighters that notably d- done on a notable level to where it becomes their thing or you can point to certain incidents like I feel like MMA's pretty doing pretty damn good uh, for itself, A. And B, maybe not that it should take that elongated example or some dope like me telling you, but, you know, maybe cut these fighters a little more slack. Maybe they're a little more brave, these men and women are, than you're giving credit for. They are fighting in a cage. And even people who are bravely signing up to fight for our country, we don't know what equipment we're working with, man. You know, God, whoever you believe in, you know... Uh, science decides that shit we don't we don't got say you get what you get so long example but between what i've been into outside of the podcast or what's been happening to me outside of the podcast with the dog stuff that all kind of related so i wanted to make that note um but yeah i got tom breeze here wow dan that was a really weird breakdown versus antonio royal who i kind of just shit on not so much him but just that jackson wink style because he seems like he's all like show and fodder and he's going to the show and fodder camp. I'm like, no, you don't, you already have that athletic, you know, long build and, you know, propensity to throw fancy stuff. And, you know, um, yeah, I don't know. so it's just like, you don't need to go to the camp that's going to be telling you to throw ponies all day and going for late round takedowns and spinning stuff that doesn't land. But hey, it works on the judges, so we'll see. But uh, I don't think it's going to work on a more structured individual should he hold that structure, which is the boxing structures to his his savviness on the ground. Um, Yeah, I like Tom Brees here. I don't even think he can get out-wrestled by this cat from what I saw Royal doing. 
and the gas tank issues. So yeah, I like Tom Breeze here. Next fight, Tanner Bowser minus 185. Alir Latifi plus 160. I should really, even though I, I mean it well-meaning and I do actually genuinely like Tanner Bozier as a fighter. Uh, I was listening to his, and I've heard this before, he's definitely got that a bit of his chip on his shoulder. Uh, you know, he's not going to mince his words uh, attitude about him, which is very endearing and genuine. Another reason why, again, I appreciate me some Tanner. Tanner Bozier, IFL. Uh, <laughs> IFL Anacondas. Um, he um, but was talking to Aaron Bronstetter on the TSN MMA show, and he was just like, Says something about he's like asking about like something about hockey. He's like, well, I wouldn't know how to answer that, Aaron, because I'm not a professional hockey player. I wouldn't be so ignorant as to judge what they do as not a professional. I'm like, oh, I see where this is going. And sure enough, he's like, just like these MMA people. I'm like, oh god. And you know, um, he didn't say my name or anything. Thank, thank God. But uh, but uh, but I'm just like, oh Jesus. I don't think Tanner Bozier would be a fan of me. But it's okay. I'm still a fan of him, and I'm gonna pick him here to outwork. Alir Latifi, who also is training with Francis Ngannou, but um, I feel like Alir is kind of Alir at this point. And you know, hey, man, you know, you can say that about Walt Harris too. I'm not just trying to be selective here or, or, or mean to Alir. I love Alir in the animal photos, but I feel like that's the same thing. And you go to his Instagram, and it's still the same thing. You see the animal photos, you see the, you know. And I think, like I said, the, the Vivi, it's like you have this perception, like, oh, he did better at heavyweight than I thought against Derek Lewis, and fought at a higher pace. Um, maybe not because he's not cutting a higher weight, but not that significant strikes mean anything, but it's like one, five, and seven are significant strikes that round because you forget that he was trying to wrestle Derek Lewis down the whole time because it was Derek Lewis that looked in better shape. It was Derek Lewis that improved his output. It was Derek Lewis that improved his initiative um, and was forcing a Latifi to fight. And I think Latifi, though losing, still kind of got a positive rub off that, which I'm not throwing shade on because that was my initial impression too. So I went and refreshed myself on some of the stats and notes. Uh, and, um, yeah, man, uh, not confident in Latifi at all at this point. So um, I know he started his career technically as a heavyweight, but the guy's generally listed at 5'8", generously listed at 5'8". And Bozier isn't the biggest heavyweight, but, um, you know, as long as he gets up from a couple takedowns, I think he should be able to turn the tide come round two. It's going to be one of those kind of fights. Um you know, if Latifi has a good round early but doesn't hurt Bozier, much less get him out of there, doesn't even hurt him, maybe take a look at the live line. Maybe you're getting something better than the minus 185, but I don't know, man. I'm not in a hurry to, you know, even if I, I feel like even if I did fully research this fight, I still would not be in a hurry uh, or claiming any that there were any sexy angles to play on this fight. So next is Montana De La Rosa, two, minus 270, Ariane Lipsky, uh, plus 230, taking De La Rosa here. She's a fighter usually... I I pick against because her and Mark are just so of the same shoe. They're just very easy to get a beat on. So it's not that I don't like their style. If anything, you know I love me some boxing jiu-jitsu styles, but, you know, they're not exactly like, you know, prime BJ Penn or Nick or Nate Diaz boxing BJJ and jiu-jitsu, nor are they operating in the era of those said fighters. Uh, so it's fairly easy to forecast their matchups, let's just say, right? Uh, that being said, uh, I, I, I do see why the line is getting stacked with Della Rosa. She, she will be a popular parlay piece. I don't blame that, by the way. Um, Lipsky is not going to be able... The ground game is not going to be the same here. Um, and I'm not confident enough. And I think the over the skills are overinflated in general, but especially on the feet for Lipsky. And that's not her fault, folks. 
uh, again, I hate jumping on these trains because, you know, especially with the, a lot of fighters, but especially with the ladies, um, they get undue hype kind of put on them, I guess, for lack of a better word. And, yeah, maybe X fighter doesn't deserve this much hype, and I wouldn't disagree with that. You know, you can say that about quite a few, right? At the same time, it doesn't mean, like, it's their fault and fuck them and let's shit on them now. It's it's, it's the system, you know? Um, but, uh, yeah, Lipsky was definitely overhyped and in the small cage with De La Rosa, who even taking shots from hitters like Araujo, who, you know, she, she will still keep up volume and keep throwing. So um, I think she's going to easily get uh, two out of the three rounds, if not find a finish on the floor by the third. I wouldn't be too confident in the angles. You just you just kick for coverage, take her as a parlay piece or something, to 270. If you are crazy enough to play parlays in a volatile sport like MMA. Makwan Amerikani, minus 190. Uh, Kamula Kirk, plus 165. I like Amerikani here. Where did this line open? 305. Money coming in on Kirk. But it is short notice, and both guys send the gas. Both guys are grapplers, but... Uh, Kirk grappling since age four with Brazilian jiu-jitsu creds. However, Mirakani, really talented in submissions and the more credentialed and better actual wrestler uh, and actually getting ready for this fight. So actually at a full camp. So I'll take him. Um, I don't know if it's out of the frying pan and into the fire. Um, I don't know how much I liked him at SPG trying to imitate Conor McGregor and getting really into boxing, but I didn't see any SPG on this camp this time around. And the camp he is working at, just says Makwan Americani on the mats, and I don't recognize anybody he's working with. So that'll be interesting. Manon Firio, minus 160. Marina, Ma oh, that's not going on because uh, Tabitha Ricci stepped in at pl plus 415 underdog. Minus 525 is the favorite. Firo, uh, taking Firo here. Don't know anything about Tabitha Ricci. Apologies, guys. Um, but the line kind of says the picture. Well, Make you act accordingly slash stay away accordingly. Sean Woodson minus 175. Yusuf Zalal plus 155. Ended up taking um, Zalal here. Not confident in it at all. Probably could get boxed up here. Both guys can be on the back foot. And Zalal needs to pressure. As we've seen with Woodson, it can undo him. However, the grappling alone may trick Zalal into pressuring because I think Zalal naturally wants to stick and move and flow almost to a fault. Like, uh, I didn't watch Andrea KGB's, KGB's last fight where she actually scored the submission. But typically, as I say with Andrea KGB Lee, which, who Zalal has a lot of the same well-rounded sensibilities, is she will grapple herself out of an exchange as fast as she grappled herself into it. Um... Now, Zalal wasn't purposely for doing that. Um, Sengu Choi just came in, you know, Team Handsome there, looking all muscled up like a stud, uh, athletic as shit. Uh, but, you know, just like uh, Taporia, which didn't surprise me, and I picked, told you about Taporia, folks, before he got hyped. Um, so that wasn't a surprise. But, um, he, you know, if the guy isn't as super athletic and, and, and as skilled, then perhaps it won't be as big of a, a deal. Now, Woodson is scrappy, though. You know, we saw him against, um, who was that guy in the Contender Series? It was Kies's teammate, and he was a wrestler, Terrence McKinney. Um, and, you know, he was able to scrap, you know, scrappily get up and, you know, land a flying knee. Uh, that being said, I think Zalal, uh, better ground game, not better takedowns, but better ground game than that cat. And Zalal went from a purple belt to recently getting his brown belt in said time. So I'm hoping that he's realizing that he needs to make hay when he gets to these positions or rear positions. And um, 
rather than just scoring some points and allowing the transition to play out. Uh, and that's why he did his work to get his brown belt. And brown belt's a nice separating factor because, you know, dopes like me can be a purple belt, folks. Sorry to break it to you. But uh, brown belt, uh, to me, is a big separating factor um, for how seriously, how dedicated someone takes their game. So uh, I do like that sign. Does it mean he's going to win? Of course not. Uh, but I will take a flyer on him. I think the small cage will suit him. But size parity um, definitely looked like it affected Zalal. And although it was more of pressure from veteran savvy of Julian Arosa Bueller, looks like Cameron from Ferris Bueller. Um, God damn it, I keep getting thrown off so easily now. Um, even though it was pressure, uh, you could make the argument that size parity for Woodson, which is clearly important, that tall of a guy cutting down to that weight, um, perhaps bothers him too. So, you know, again, it could be a double-edged sword, that critique and criticism. So we'll see. Uh, I'll take his allow, not confident. Don't follow me off that cliff. Um, Mason Jones, minus 275. Alan Patrick, plus 235. Another parlay piece there. I like Mason Jones a lot. Uh, I don't know if, what you get with Montana De La Rosa, but that's something I would look to pair up with. Um, maybe that'll be the one thing I do because I don't, yeah, I don't see any other chalk that I'm confident on on this card. Um, yeah, pair up Montana and Mason, see what you get. Um, those are the most confident picks for me for sure here. Uh, but yeah, I like Mason Jones. I picked him against, I know it was a silly, not confident pick against Mike Rodriguez, I believe it was, but, um, Mike Davis, I'm sorry. But I think Davis was amidst of a botched weight cut, bad layoff, injuries, short notice, etc. Mason Jones, not just Cage Warriors champ, but one of those underrated skill sets I like, durable, has that attitude intangible. You know, uh, adversity blood definitely doesn't scare off that kid. He goes to the body. Uh, actually has a, he, he says he competed in karate and Muay Thai, but he actually has a pro boxing record of 12-0. And you see some semblances of that in his style, but he's also got the classic welsh combo of a judo black belt and jiu-jitsu black belt right uh but that being said with a lot of those judo guys the way they tripod they keep that real uh acute angle so to speak real slanted 45 slope if you will um when they tripod up it makes it real hard to get their backs uh and i think that is pretty much alan patrice only only way of winning this fight is getting an rnc or getting enough back control to convince some judges for two rounds and surviving the third. Um, but Mason keeps coming, and I, I like him a lot here, so we'll leave it at that. Uh, next fight, Muslim Salikov, minus 245, Masa Ra Randuba, Francisco Trinaldo, plus 205. Um, another dog pick I took here that wasn't too confident. <coughs> ah, excuse me. Um, but I took... a. Uh, Shouts the MMA analysis. Took Grandpa Trinaldo here. Um, I think the small cage suits him both for his striking. Uh, you know, it's, it's going to be bad for a Wushu Sanda guy who wants space and good for a guy who wants the corral with heavy hooks, pressure, and perhaps some takedowns. Uh, maybe Masa Randuba gets one more last performance squeezed out that he's not having to cut the weight, but he did not look good in his last fight, even though he cashed for us against Jai Herbert. Um... You know, maybe he just he has fallen off a cliff. So do not be surprised, folks, if he has. I am going to pick him, though. Uh, Salikov, you know, not that much younger. He turns 37 um, the day after this fight. So not that much younger than the 42-year-old here. Uh, older welterweights. Give me Masa Randuba. 
Um, Jordan Levitt, you love it, it, love it. Shout out to Eugene S. Robinson, who uh, has that same frame of mind. Uh, and Claudio Puelles, plus 170. You know I love my Peruvian brothers and sisters. You know I love my Peruvian food. But I don't remember Claudio Puelles being much better than who I thought was one of the worst fighters at the time he was in the UFC. And no offense to the kid, but Humberto Bendanay. And again, no offense to that scene, but like you go back to, you go watch a lot of the regional footage. I mean, these poor kids are fighting in like what looks like chicken fence cages. It's they're so small and ridiculous. Um, that said, Claudio Puelles, he's super young. He's only fought twice in the last five years, but he's still only 24, folks. Like. Again, the scene he was from, rushing of the fights, he he he, he did got rushed to the scene. So this is not a bad thing. It also makes it hard to stay, uh, to be confident in this fight. I'm going to pick Levitt to get his grappling going. Puelles will pull out stuff. I don't think he'll be able to get it on Levitt. I will be interested, though, Puelles, who has catch wrestling sensibilities because he comes from a loose livery base, which is more synonymous with catch wrestling than jiu-jitsu. Um, if being around better wrestlers at Sanford MMA is going to help him because that's where he's relocated to camp at. Um, so I'm curious to see, but uh, again, like Zane said, and I, I said too, you know, there's always the adjustment of period, periods for camps. So don't expect to see anything too drastic right away. So for that, I'll take Levitt, who, you know, seems like a guy that people are going to underestimate because of, you know, maybe how he looks or comes off, but he seems to know what he's good at, and that's good enough for me, and the small cage seems to suit and favor what he's good at, which is grappling. So, uh Give me Levitt. All right, how did we do on time 57? All right, we've got this just under an hour, I think. All right, from the top, uh, taking Rosenstruck. Shout out to the fantasy Jewish fight league uh, over Sakai. Taking uh, Walt Flanagan Harris over uh, Tibura. Beer run, Tibura. Taking Baeza over Pontanibio. Bow your head. Taking um, Dolidze over Starapoli. I'm not Italian. Taking Todorovic over Rodriguez. Taking Breeze over Arroyo. Taking Tanner Bowd over Alir Latifi. Taking Montana De La Rosa over Arian Lipsky. Taking Makwan Amirhani over Kamuela Kirk. Taking Manuel Ferro over Tabitha Ricci. Taking Sean Woodson over Yusuf Salal. No, I'm taking Zalal over Woodson, sorry. Taking uh, Mason Jones over Alan Patrick. Taking Francisco Masaranduba Trinaldo over Muslim Salikov. Taking Jordan, you love it, love it, over Claudio Puelez. Uh, I may pair together um, Montana De La Rosa and Mason Jones and just stay the fuck away, motherfucker. It's just one of those days. I'm just kidding. That would be funny if I edited that in. I won't be that cruel. Good luck on your picks and plays. Thanks for the well wishes. Apologies for the uh, pouring out my beers on my on my uh, soapbox there in the beginning. I'm okay. Appreciate you guys' love and messages. Sincerely wish you all the best. And until next time, protect your neck.